0: Put that cookie <laughs> down! now. Tall Can Audio. It's graceful and beautiful and physical and angry all at the same time. Were you to hear your mind would cave in and your heart would explode within your chest? This is going to be a shame. Here we go!
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Matt Robinson here as always today sitting across the table from the hardest working man in showbiz, Steve Bunda. What's happening, buddy? Oh, I love that you call
0: me the hardest working man in showbiz because I'm pretty sure that's you, but I'll take (laughs) that. Uh, I was pretty happy today. I pulled up, you know, all the angry, you know, talking audio fans that usually get mad at me. They were out Christmas caroling at the other apartment (laughs) complex. So I was able to sneak in. No problems yet, but hopefully gorgeous. I could sneak out too.
1: It's, it's that time of year, right? Everybody's just yeah. taking it easy on uh,
0: on old Bunda here. Yeah. I kind of want to join in and sing, you know, some Christmas carols with them. But I've got yeah. a favorite carol. Anything? Like no, that? I've had to You're sing a kind of Christmas uh, movie marathon this month. Anything like that? Uh <laughs> No, you know, Christmas movies are, are good, uh, but they're not like Halloween. Movies, no. So it's completely no. different. <laughs> uh, but I lost the bet a couple years ago and I had to sing Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, I believe it was a bet with Versage and Mendez over the Bucks-Cowboys game. So I had to go to a stranger's house, ask them if I could, you know, sing Christmas carols. And it just so happens that uh, I went to a house that had like, you know, 15 people in it and they were all sitting in a circle. And so I rang the doorbell, I'm like, can I, can I sing a Christmas carol? You know, and they said, sure, why don't you come in? And I'm like, uh, my cousin's with me and he's just like, oh yeah, we're coming in, let's go. And, uh, you know what? It was, uh, it was not that bad. No. What no. you sing? Oh, Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed yeah. Reindeer. All yeah. like all three four verses or, or just the Yeah, first, I had to I Google know. it and yeah. make sure I was doing it and I was like as I was doing it, I might have been a little bit uh intoxicated at the time. <laughs> uh but then there, there was less. a Yeah, there was a grandmother <laughs> in the um like in the room, and she brought like she started singing because I was like hesitating a little bit because <laughs> I was like, All right, let me just pull out my phone and start scrolling. She's like, You need that? I've been singing this for years, and uh, yeah, the video still exists somewhere, so I do nice. like some Christmas carols. Do you uh, do you love the Christmas season? I do,
1: I get big into it. Uh, although I'll be honest with you, I haven't quite recovered from those couple pandemic Christmases where like I still saw my family and everything, but like the 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 parties beforehand. The, let's all let's get together before Christmas for a drink with friends. Maybe you haven't seen enough, mm-hmm. like those sorts of things. Never really come back around to. And I used to be big into that, right? Like call everybody I know at some point. Like let's try and get together and mm-hmm. and enjoy the season a little bit. And for whatever reason, that part hasn't come quite back around as much as I used to get into it. But when I still get down there, uh, head to the family cottage, like my parents always do it up pretty well, decorate in the place. It's hard not to feel festive once you get there. And then the kids are around, right? The nieces and nephews are all excited. So um, it gets pretty easy to be pumped up once you get there. So I, I am. I'm a bit of a Christmas guy. I was just uh, trading some tweets the other day with a couple people on um, favorite performances of a Christmas song. And at the time, I was listening to that uh, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, okay. right? which is just... Such a great version of that tune, right? Like, and mm-hmm. the band's having fun, and the saxophone solo, and everything. Like, it's 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 an awesome,
0: uh, awesome version of a Christmas carol. Do you have any like Christmas traditions or movies or anything you need to do before <laughs> Christmas? I know that you probably did not bring me on to talk about. No, Christmas. No, that's all right, man. So we, now I'm I am interviewing you I was about going Christmas to so a little bit. <laughs> ask you too, yeah. But it's um, we've gotten away from
1: it a little bit. But for the longest time, my mom would make us all sit down and watch. Um, Little House on the Prairie Christmas okay. that she had on tape and then we found on DVD for her and, and whatever. And so that, I don't even know, is like the 60s or 70s or whatever, but it's just the cheesiest tearjerker of a Christmas special. And Aren't they all? They all are to some <laughs> degree, right? Um, and so for whatever reason, we would sit down and we would watch that on Christmas Eve each year after Christmas. You know, while you were still sort of wrapping the last couple presents or just having a drink or something before uh, shutting it down for the night. So in terms of like movies or traditions like that, that would be the big one. Um she spared us from it the last couple of years, if I recall correctly, uh, mm-hmm. I'm I maybe making a mistake here, putting it back out into the universe now. But, oh, she's uh, going to dust off that VHS. Be, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Maybe, maybe the problem is we didn't have a DVD player hooked up anymore, right? She oh, hasn't yeah. been able to find it on Apple TV or something. Uh, what about you guys? Did you, you know, as a kid or coming up, have little family traditions, anything like that? Or?
0: Uh, I always love getting the Christmas tree. Like that's always, I'm very much a, uh, a real Christmas tree, not fake. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of just, I love it. Uh, I love that aspect of it. Uh, in terms of uh, movies or doing anything. I love watching the trailer park boys Christmas. Uh, that's like their Christmas special is one of their better ones. It's like a 45 minute special. It's on Netflix. Uh, it just, I've been watching that like every Christmas year, uh, either with a buddies or my cousins or someone like it's just, it's a tradition. I always watch it. um, but yeah, there's a lot of good ones out there too. Yeah. Like Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Sinbad, put that cookie down. No, love that. The great movie. I think the big show's in that movie too. So there's a wrestling tie to it. Uh, Christmas Vacation, so good too. That right? one's
1: always, uh, if I
0: see that one on TV or or whatever, I'm going to stop and watch that. Yeah, right? bend over and I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But so many good ones, the Santa Claus, like I loved a lot of the, uh, the more, I guess, you know, nineties, early two thousands movies, like, sure. you know, Home Alone's another good staple too, but, yeah. uh, it's hard to kind of miss on a lot of them. One that I always kind of come up on as well is, uh, I find that it's on TV or whatever. It's just something that when if, uh, you know, I'm sitting around and I'm looking for something to watch the Mighty Ducks movies, they always seem to be on. They always seem to be on around Christmas <laughs> as well. So it's like, I, I'll usually try and tune into those just for some, the you know, trilogy. Some yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, I loved those movies as a kid and. I don't know D3 got a little weird the, the last one yeah. there but uh, the first two for sure are classics. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't associate them with Christmas as much. I'm not sure maybe I just haven't been paying attention but
0: uh, uh do you have a, an opinion on the the whole die hard argument? I've never seen it so okay. I don't know okay. but uh I'm going to side on the on the uh, on the no side okay. until I watch it. <laughs> okay. So that that's what I'll decide. But uh, I don't know. Like I've heard people say like Home Alone technically isn't a Christmas movie, right? Cuz it's about you know, Christmas is in the background, but it's about forgetting your child. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's yeah, a Christmas it's movie. It's clearly Come a on. Christmas movie. Right. I <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of people that can argue certain things sure. like that. I don't want to hear it, but I also like going through some uh, of my like favorite TV shows, whether it be That 70s Show, The Office, Same. watching a lot of their Christmas episodes. Yep. You know, Simpsons have a good couple as well. Like there's, I, there's
1: a, there's a family guy one that I always liked, like, like, I wasn't as big into Family Guys. as I was into The Simpsons, but they have one where like Stewie and Brian have to take over for Santa for a year and it ends up being like a break and enter and uh-huh. it's it's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so all of those, like uh, my sisters and I all loved the show uh, Friends and there's a couple good yeah. Christmas episodes of that too that you can throw on and, and they'll fit, so... Yeah,
0: it, this time of year, all those episodes start getting trotted out, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's Any pretty Christmas cool. special or, like Christmas drinks you like to make or try, or you just do you, do you stick to darker ones. <laughs> was, I know you have your advent <laughs> calendar. We're gonna, you know what? I can't believe we've been this long and we haven't even introduced our I beers yet. I know you keep yet. throwing
1: questions across oh, the table man. at me here. Yeah, well, let, let's get to the beer. We can circle back to this. Um, yeah, I'm going with the the advent calendar beer today for December 12th, and this one's from Spearhead, uh, which I believe is down in Kingston. And, uh, it's just called their dark lager, which is going to be just about perfect for me. That's, as you know, my, uh, my style of beer. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, the first one that kind of leans that way in the calendar year, like we've, or in this year's calendar, we've had, uh, you know, a lot of IPAs and a couple loggers and stuff like that. And I've been waiting for a couple of darker ones to, to trickle out here. And so this will be the first dark one of, uh,
0: of the calendar. What'd you grab? I, uh, I went in and uh, I'm actually curious to see how this one's uh, tastes. Uh, it sounds really good, but uh, I'm going into this one here from Whippersnapper, Moon Mist Ice Cream Ale. So I'll read the description for everybody out there that doesn't know Moon Mist is uh, ice cream, but it's for, hey, all you blue nosers, we got something for you. Moon Mist, your favorite ice cream is now a beer. Banana, bubble gum, and grape flavors in a full flavor dessert style ale. <laughs> so I am, uh, oh, and look at this. It contains lactose. Okay. So, and it's got a really cool can with Moon Mist ice cream. So I'm going to give that one a whirl. How does that one taste? First pull, pretty nice. It's got a little bit of a, like a coffee or an espresso
1: slant to it, which is uh, kind of nice. It's a little sweet. Um, but yeah, first, uh, oh, having an issue over there. Tab broke. Oh, no. Right, so some minor technical difficulties there with the the moon mist, I believe it's called. We had uh, the, the the tab just tore right off when Bun tried to to open it there, and uh, we had to go. Searching for tools. Which one did you end up... It wasn't the can opener. We ended up using the, uh, the wine... Uh, the corkscrew. The corkscrew. corkscrew. That's cork how we had to get in there.
0: <laughs> Listen, Matt, uh, it was almost uh, a sign that I wasn't supposed to have this beer, but then <laughs> I feel like things like this make you more determined to then... I could have just easily went to your fridge and grabbed another beer. Yeah. But why would I ever leave a beer with no tab in your fridge? Right. It's just not okay for me. And just so at that point. And so we were able to uh, get the... It's a Christmas qu- miracle. Yeah. Christmas miracle. <laughs> and we were able to pull it off and uh, I can't wait for... For the movie to come out on hallmark in, right. in the next year or two <laughs> the saga that we just went through to uh, to get into that beer uh, on first pull what do you think interesting mm-hmm. it's uh got a lot of flavor to it that yeah and you'd expect it to yeah with all the ones
1: he's got on the can there now he told me the story once i guess this is a famous ice cream down east that's what he's saying hey nosers yes. um but I don't remember the whole story behind it, but yeah, that's why it's got the
0: bubble gum in there. That's, there was a, there was a bunch of stuff he had listed there. So you know, anybody from out East that this is like the best, most popular ice cream flavor that is out there. It's starting to come. Uh, across Ottawa, okay. I mean, I've, i think that we have it here in Ottawa at a few places now and whatever, but it's a, uh, it's a very popular flavor out East. So the fact that it was put into a beer yeah. is going to get some people excited and it's very flavorful, very tasty, very different, right. um, I like it so far, but be prepared to work to get into it. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. The tab was an incident. Maybe it was just uh, my terrible just a skills. Off. Yeah, but
1: you know what? We got into it, so it's all good. Matt. Yeah, I've had uh, a bunch of whippersnapper stuff here in here over the last couple months, and that's never happened before. So just a just a one off, but kind of funny here as we're trying to get up and running. Uh, I can't even remember what we were talking about now. There was another Christmas thing you had asked me at about.
0: Christmas but, drinks. Do you have Christmas any special, drinks, do you, right. Sp- special Christmas drinks. Like, are you an eggnog and rum I'm guy? not an
1: eggnog person at all. Um, I'm a rum person all year round, so there's nothing special about that part of it for me. I don't get too into the eggnog. Uh, there was a couple of years, mainly before she had kids, that uh, that one of my sisters would uh, would make us hot chocolate and Baileys, which, I mean, there's nothing to it, right? There's nothing, mm-hmm. spe- but that was a bit of a tradition there for a few years, but no, for the most part... Um, you know, we'll, uh, you know, just kind of as you're doing some gifts and stuff in the morning, maybe crack your first beer of the day and, uh, you know, maybe some, some rum later in the afternoon or something like that, but nothing too special in terms of, of that. What about you guys?
0: Uh, yeah, I've always kind of liked, uh, you know, a couple, but, uh, um, I'd say eggnog and bailey's is my go to. Okay. Yeah, that, that was one that I don't like too many of them, but just, you know, a glass of ice, some you know, a little bit of eggnog and then a, you know, a glass of bailey's. I love bailey's at this time of the year. I could just drink Baileys straight. Like I'll have Bailey's and ice a lot of the time. They have so many good flavors now, whether it be uh the salted caramel. Yeah. I think I just tried a tiramisu one not long ago. Nice. Uh there was a mint one a couple years ago that was really good. I guess um, I
1: should say, yeah, I got like, for a couple years there it was uh there was a uh, Nanaimo bar-flavored whiskey Mm -hmm. uh, that I got really into at around Christmas. And I don't know, maybe it's out all year round, but it was discovered by me in December. And so it kind of became a bit of a holiday thing for a couple of years, but I don't know if it's out this year. I think it was from 40 Creek there down in. Yeah, I think it's still out
0: there because yeah. I've seen it around. I've tried it as well. Very good, good tasting yeah. one. And I've tried also vodka. They okay. have a couple of their flavors now. It was down at the Christmas market at Lansdowne. They've got like a dark chocolate flavored one, which oh, is nice. it's uh, kind of more of a local vodka. I believe it's out in the Almont area. If I, I'm not positive, but, uh, Almont Carlton place that sure. area, but. To, I don't know they have some good flavors as well so I, I love uh just like that kind of cream liqueur yeah with like some ice 100%. in the glass but yeah. yeah it's always been like Bailey's salted caramel one of my all-time favorites okay
1: um I guess we could talk about some sports and obviously we're going to get into the UFC here in a minute but I'm curious I know they've been working you like a dog
0: over there did you get a chance to watch any of the Leafs and Isles on Monday night uh I watched a little bit of the game but not a lot uh yeah. it was more kind of just Twitter watching and, yeah. and seeing how things went I do see that uh uh, John Tavares, what is one thousandth career point? Thousandth
1: so. point with on an assist on uh, Morgan Riley's goal to tie it up mm-hmm. with six seconds left before uh, the Isles went on to win it in overtime. But man, I was I, I was curious because he came into that game two points away, and he's been getting booed mercilessly since he left there. And I think it's a bit much. I think when a guy first comes back, sometimes he gets booed a lot, and then it sort of slowly starts to trickle away. These guys are holding on to it. It's been five years. I guess do what you want, but I'm surprised there wasn't a little bit of love for the 1,000th point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the organization, to their credit, put it up on the big screen. Congratulations on your 1,000th point, and uh, he got over 600 of those points as a member of the New York Islanders. It was a you know big part of his career, but the fans just booed mercilessly. And I, do you have any kind of take at all on on that versus the normal game-to-game. Like, I was at, uh, or I wasn't at, I remember watching the the game where Sundin came back for the first time after he'd left for Vancouver. Okay. And he'd sort of screwed the Leafs a little bit by saying, I, I don't want to leave. This is where I want to be, and I have a no-trade clause, so I'm not leaving. And that was on, uh, on the trade deadline. And... At, uh then he decides he's going to go to Vancouver. So we don't get anything for him as a trade, right? He leaves as a free agent. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the same complaint that Islanders fans have had about Tavares. Is, well, if, if he had told us he was going to leave, at least we could have got something for him. So Sundin comes back and they boo him. But during the first commercial break, they play this tribute to him, as they do for a lot of important guys in any building, right? When they come back and make the return. Mm-hmm. And the fans stood up, big standing ovation, huge cheer, And then back to the game, and they went back to booing him. But for that moment, they showed their love, right? Thank you for what you did. And that game, I remember, uh, ends up going to a shootout, and it comes down to Sundin if he scores, Vancouver wins. And they're booing him all the way in on his shot, and when he scores, they all cheered again, right? Like Just Mm -hmm. because the story, everything about it. So I sort of wondered if the Islanders might be somewhat similar in that yeah, you're booing him. Yeah, that's the thing. But he gets the 1000th point, it goes up on the screen. You can't stand up and give him a polite applause or anything like that. They just stayed right on him, man. Does that surprise you at all?
0: Uh, it doesn't. It sounds like that's a, you know, like the Brooklyn kind of uh, Islanders that feel like yeah. but I look at it in a sense of, you know what? That's fun for the fans, right? Like I get why you're hurt, right? Your favorite player, one of your best, you know, players last, you know, couple years <laughs> like it just wants to leave and go to Toronto and kind of stab you guys in the back. You were a playoff team with him and he just kind of walks away, Uh, you know, I feel like it, it can go too long. Sure, I remember when Alfie came back as well. He went and signed with the Red Wings, yeah. and one of his first game back, there were some boos as well. To Alfie, I mean, yep. that was only for that game a little bit. But again, uh, I don't know. For Tavares, I don't see him ever going back to the Islanders no. in a sense of you know I'm coming home kind of thing. I think he came back. He went to Toronto because he wanted to go home. That was his sense. He didn't want to play in Long Island anymore. And like I said, those those Brooklyn fans, they don't forget, man. No, they don't New York forget. Is a and different that, market, That's yeah, funny. it's a different market. and It's kind of fun in a sense, and I'm sure for him he's used to it now he doesn't really care he's he's this monotone kind of guy that doesn't yeah. really seem to care about much so uh you know what I think it's fine I love it it's it's kind of part of the game I like the passion from the fans that adds to the game and like you know it's something that uh, is it a big deal to me I don't care right um but it's it's funny to see the fans take that much effect to it
1: yeah no you're right about that and Uh, We are coming off a a doubleheader on the Monday Nighter, another week in the NFL. Uh,
0: Anything stand out to you this week? Any game that particularly caught your eye? Oh my gosh, like how many of them? There was a a lot of upsets, especially last night. Uh, But, you know, I did not see the Giants at all last night. Uh, getting the W o- over Tennessee, <laughs> no, or sorry, over the Packers. Yeah, the Packers yeah, yeah. have been red hot lately, so uh, <laughs> it's been pretty funny to see this uh, Tommy DeVito guy that lives at home, <laughs> and next thing you know, he's just the biggest star in for the, like again a New York fan base. The Giants, they're a huge story team. Like, and and whenever fans uh, kind of gravitate towards a quarterback, Daniel Jones, like this is a guy that they drafted high and they was like hopes for, but then when you get these guys that can come in and, and get you big wins, like yep. the Giants are are. are a team that uh, has such a passionate fan base as well because they've had some some success right they are the sure. team that beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl yep. right ended their perfect season so I look at it as I the was Pac- a big Giants fan both of those days. yeah <laughs> so it's kind of a it's kind of a funny you know when you see these kind of things happen but then when you see the Titans you know they beat the Dolphins so that was already crazy enough as well for Monday night um but it was just it was a pretty crazy weekend uh the Bengals got the win over the Colts but you know they've are kind of all over the map. I don't even know what's going on with the Browns, but Joe Flacco <laughs> seems to be back, and he beat the Jags. So yeah, yeah. that's another big one right there, too. The Bears over the Lions. Like, there was a lot this weekend. The Jets somehow, I guess, found and solved CJ Stroud and the Texans. They smashed them. It, uh, yeah, they're 30. hanging in, eh? The Jets, they're hanging tough. Like, well, They're trying to. Yeah. They're, they're still 5-8. Like, no, and
1: I understand, but like when yeah. Rodgers went down, there was a part of me that was like this might be a two-win team, right? Like, oh. uh, they're, they're going to be in huge trouble here. But they've managed to not go completely off the rails, I guess you'd say.
0: No, and some big wins. Like, that yeah. one against the Texans, like, that's a team that, uh, Red Hot, uh, yeah. and C.J. Stroud especially, he's looking really good. Now, he left the game, and and I believe he's, he has a concussion, so I don't know if he's going to play this week. And I do know Nico Collins, one of the receivers, and one of the top receivers they have, they just lost Tank Dell, who was a rookie receiver that was tearing it up recently uh, for the rest of the year, too. So, yeah. Some tough injuries right now that they're dealing with, but for the Jets and uh, I guess, uh, Vanessa Sanchez, local, uh, <laughs> Jets fan, she's pretty excited. But yeah, there's uh there was quite the week that happened so far. Uh, three, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the end of that chiefs bills game that happened, uh, with Kadarius Tony being offside and, you know, I, I <laughs> put a lot of onus on him. Like, what are you doing? Like. Uh, You know, as someone, I work on the sidelines for Ottawa Red Blacks. One of the first things the receivers do, the wide receivers, they look over to the lines judge and they say, am I good or am I like whatever? And they'll either say, you're good. Give them a thumbs up or they'll say, back up, back up or, you know, whatever. I'm assuming he never did that, but. After the game, he must have told everybody on the sideline whether it be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But I didn't like Patrick Mahomes going up to Josh Allen, be like, "What a bullshit call!" Like, yeah, that was all picked up on Mike. It's it was yeah. kind of a tough look, right? Yeah, and then you have Andy Reid after the game, and Patrick Mahomes getting upset. It's like, why are you calling a penalty to relieve? Like, sure, it would have been one of the greatest plays to end a game ever. Like, yes. it, one of the cra- coolest plays uh, of the year for sure. Um, but you're not going to not call a penalty when a guy is clearly offside, and yeah. it sounds like when Andy Reid walked back his, his comments on it that uh, he probably realized that uh, Kadarius Tony never checked with the ref, so it's 100% on him. Yep. Uh, he's a receiver. He has to do this every single game, multiple times a game. Yep. You know, you do it all the time, and it's just something he might, might have not done, and I haven't seen any proof that he did ask or I haven't heard anybody come up and say, uh, and like I said with Andy Reid saying that he basically didn't check with the referee, it's on him. Yep. That was kind of crazy, but I just didn't let like like the look of Mahomes and Andy Reid, kind of you know going out to the podium and just kind of ripping, and you know Josh Allen's there. The Bills have had a quite the hell of a year. Yeah. And they've <laughs> had some big wins in the last couple of weeks to kind of get themselves back into a playoff spot and kind of hold on to the playoff. An outside five.
1: shot, they could get a home date, I think. If I, last I was looking at, like a yeah. playoff game, but they'd have to, I think
0: probably run it uh win out here but exactly yeah. well the dolphins losing last night definitely helps. yeah and, uh the eagles and the cowboys you know the cowboys beating up on the eagles like the nfc like that's it's going to be tough there's some very interesting teams out there but the nfc east that's a tough battle 10 and 3 eagles and the 10 and 3 cowboys right now yeah like there's going to be some good uh, football in the next few weeks here i love it and we start saturday football i believe this week so we're going to get some saturday games they usually do this right around the christmas yeah, season that's and- right i forgot all about that Yeah. And then it's college football bowl season. So this is a great time for, I think the NBA just had their in-season tournament that just ended, which it was kind of a, I don't know what, I really wasn't paying too much attention to it, (laughs) but it is what it is. But this, uh, this is a great time for sports. I love this holiday season when you could throw on like a a bowl game at noon and then you could watch football all weekend, all night. It's, it's, I love this time of the year. So the NFL comes back and they'll throw some Saturday games in there and it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, and the other big thing that starts to ramp up now is you're
1: starting to see coverage of the World Junior Team Canada training camp, which is taking place down in Oakville this week. Uh, On Tuesday afternoon here, as you and I sit and record, they're gearing up for their first uh, U-Sports game. They always take on some of the CIS All-Stars or Mm -hmm. U-Sports All-Stars, whatever it is. I'm curious, you know, there are people with varying levels of of excitement about the, the World Juniors every year. Is it something you get big into, or are you kind of someone who thinks maybe it gets a tiny bit overblown. And I got to tell you, to be honest, look, I'll watch it when it comes on again. I get very excited for it every year, but for whatever reason, I got just a little less buzz this year, just a little less. And maybe it's looking at the team. There's not a lot of returnees, right? The Canada is not necessarily a favorite, which is good for the tournament, but not great for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure I'll watch it. I'm sure if it's compelling, I'll get as into it as I ever do. But sitting here right now, I don't feel that itch like I normally do this time of year.
0: No, and I feel like a lot of it has been with the scandal era, right? The last couple of years, the Hockey Canada scandals and everything that's been going on. I feel like we aren't seeing as many promos, as much hype for it. It's kind of a different vibe around the world. Yeah, a bunch of sponsors too who had walked away from
1: from Hockey Canada that aren't. You know putting out their world junior themed Canadian tire commercial this year or whatever right yeah
0: but, it, it's just a different vibe these last few years and I, I'm still gonna watch right And yeah. I, if Canada you know I I want to see who makes the team I love seeing that part of it I love watching you know the big games right seeing you know playing America is always one of my sure. favorite games like I love seeing that uh and then you know seeing how well they do and, and down the stretch uh I I'm, I'm going to be into it I'm going to be following it but uh I'm kind of like you I, I'm you know, I'm I wonder not. if there's a bit of a Bedard
1: hangover too, right? He was yeah. the star of the last two world juniors and just killing it. And now he's off, you know, into the NHL. And obviously it's not going to be loaned back to team Canada. Mm-hmm. doesn't look like they're going to get much help from the NHL teams. There's I think five or seven guys. Connor Geeky is one. I think. Yeah. That's there. Uh, yeah, for sure. There's Fraser Minton. Fraser Minton might be involved yeah. there, but, uh, Adam Fentilli, he's not getting sent back. Right. Like he's playing too well. So yeah. there's some big names that Canada will be missing. Um, and i just you know i there's something about it that, that maybe is you know i got so excited to watch connor Bedard doing his thing and you know now with him kind of gone maybe there's a little bit of a hangover there with that I, i'm not really sure what it is and and maybe it's just you know once it rolls in i'll be as
0: engaged as ever but for now yeah i'm just not feeling it as much i, I don't know what that is so. yeah i don't i don't blame you like i said i'm kind of in the same boat but yeah. um Especially at the, it's hard to kind of sit down and find time to watch every single game, right? Especially over the holidays when you have, you know, you're seeing friends, you're seeing family, you got things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like I said, I want to make sure I watch those big games and that's kind of the, where my vibe is always at in, in general. But I do feel that the hype around it, even just like I said, the promotions, uh, hearing people talk about it on TV, radio, it, it just seems like it's a bit dialed back yeah. this year and even a little bit last year, but the kind Con- of Connor Bedard hype kind of spike like kind sure. of push that a lot last year but uh this year i feel like there isn't that like superstar player that we're all watching to see how good they are mm-hmm. and i feel like that kind of also affects it right whereas you know when you have a generational st- like talent a guy like Connor bedard in the tournament last year it adds and builds that hype right especially for Can- yeah you know, like canadians right we yep. wanted to watch that and we wanted to see how he was and even Fantilli, like you said he was there and he was the guy who was supposed to go number two right yep. there was a lot of hype around these guys and you know while well, we saw it was the Conor Bedard show and Fantilli, you know, not that he struggled, but he wasn't, you know, it was not the better tournament for him. Right. And so it turns into a, okay. And, and you watch that. So like you said, this year, it's a lot different and you don't have that aspect of it, but it's still going to be a fun tournament to sure. watch. And I'm sure going to watch the, the big Canadian games.
1: So they're over in Sweden, which means for us morning games and early afternoon games versus the North American tournaments. Uh, we just had Halifax here last year. I think it was Edmonton the year or two before that, um, you know, which are evening games, do you have a a preference as to to which one? I I think sometimes, man, it can be kind of fun to wake up in the morning and watch the games and even early afternoon, you know, while you're kind of in that, you know, there's that same joke every year, that week between Christmas and New Year's where you have no concept of time or what day it even is or whatever. Ain't that the truth. But there's also something that makes it feel big time when it's the prime time game at eight o'clock here at North America and, you
0: know, the whole country's watching. Do you have a preference? Um, I like that it it changes up, but I think back to, you know, years and years ago, just growing up watching it, I love the, you know, the different time starts. Like, you know, when you have to get up early to watch the afternoon or morning games because it's in Russia or, you know, wherever, like, I love that idea of it. I like that it it gets mixed up because even when it was out West, like the seven o'clocks and even in like in out East, like the seven o'clock starts. Yeah. Okay. They're fine. But I like the, that, you know, the morning games, I don't mind like a 10 AM game. You know what? Let's grab myself a nice, you know, like a drink, Christmas sure. drink, yeah. uh, you know, we were yeah. talking about Christmas drinks already, let's get myself and uh, Bailey's and eggnog, yep. yeah, let's start, you know what, get some French toast going and let's watch Team Canada take on uh, Slovakia and, right. they, you know, wax them like that, I don't know, it's it's fun to have the early morning stuff, but I do like that it changes, you know, every, you know, couple of years that there's different time zones, different starts, but I do like that it's not always like seven o'clock all the time or, you know, the seven o'clock's are good and fun to watch, but I like the fact that, you know, it is a 10 a.m., or oh, 9 a.m. or even the four or five a.m.s. like, I don't Care. No, I'm now you're losing me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you're you not going to be up. Uh, be I know up you're a country us. boy.
1: I know you know how to get up early in the morning. That kills me. There was a gut one, five, six years ago. They were somewhere in Russia, Eastern Russia. Like it was far. And yeah, there was games at like five 30 in the morning. And now, now you're killing me. Cause probably I was up late the night before because you are in that void week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, 10 AM kind of nice. Even 8 AM is fine. One or 2 PM start is, is good. Yeah, no, I don't need to be getting up at 5:30 in the morning to watch a hockey game. It, that's that's mm-hmm. not especially if it's going to be one of those ones where Canada's playing Latvia or whatever, and you know it's going to be 12 nothing and there's not going to be anything compelling happening. Now, I've done it, like I I do get up to watch them, but I'm not happy about
0: it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's not and I think that's what I my favorite part is is like it doesn't happen often, but when it does happen, it's like, all right, like it, it is kind of like adds to that special part of the tournament, right? Yeah. Like it, it is like, it's fun. Like I find I've that. I've been getting
1: enough of that with, you know, we have had s- multiple Olympics now Korea, China, Japan, you know, summer and winter game. Like, I'm getting my fill of international sports at crazy times a day. Yeah, Help me out a little bit. 10 a.m. is a nice time for a Team Canada hockey game to start over the holidays, I think. Uh, Yeah, it's not bad.
0: (laughs) I think, and like I said, it's fun because a lot of the time people just have no idea of concept of, like you said, the days of the week, time of the day. Let's just watch and have some fun. So I'm I'm all about it. How's the uh, moon mist treating you there? Moon mist is actually, you know what, not bad. It's yeah. it's kind of growing on me a little bit, but like very flavorful, like yeah. for sure. So I'm glad I went through the uh, effort of <laughs> uh, finding a corkscrew to get into this thing <laughs> yeah. and then I've had to pour it into a mug yeah. uh, very slowly throughout uh, uh, you know this whole morning as we're talking and I'm sipping on it as I do. Yeah. But it, uh, it's got a very, like a thick, and and flavorful taste to it, okay. uh, and it's very different, very very tasty though. And I'm glad uh, we went through the effort of. Yep. Well, you know, I it went. It's worth the payoff. I uh, could have just uh, left it for somebody else and, and wasted <laughs> a beer, but uh, I hope everybody realizes I'm never going to waste a beer. No, that's right. So,
1: uh, we are headed into the last UFC pay-per-view of 2023 it's been kind of a wild year around the UFC 2 uh 2024 is going to be just as big especially with that UFC 300 card just a couple months away now we'll see mm-hmm. how they're going to load that up but 296 here on Saturday night is no slouch man there's a lot on that card that that I think is going to get people excited before we kind of go through it you know fight by fight i'm just sort of curious did this one, I, I think I said to you before we started, this one snuck up on me a little in terms of how good it is, because we've had a couple cards lately where, like, the main event looks okay, but it hasn't been compelling enough to get me to buy, uh, whereas this one, kind of top to bottom, looks pretty compelling, man.
0: Yeah, I uh, I was unaware of the depth, yeah. I think, of how good this card was. I knew that the, because um, I was kind of sour on the title fight, to be honest, like, I, not that... I'm totally against Colby Covington, but, you know, him getting the title shot against Leon Edwards was yeah. like, eh, you know what, I whatever. You know, Pantoja versus Royval. I'm like, okay, like, one, I still think that Moreno might have beat Pantoja in that fight, and it was a very tough and very exciting fight for those two, but whatever. Yeah, when I'll, Pantoja took the title off of Moreno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, that was a very tight, very close fight, so, uh, but a lot of the other fights, of kind of like, oh, yo, th- th- this is a really sick like card. Like, even
1: right down onto a couple of the prelims, right? Oh, like, yeah. Th- there's some stuff happening here, the- and there was one name that jumped out at me there. I saw Ian Gary on this card. I know you're a fan of of his, I think he just fought in September. Did he not like Uh, uh, pretty recently?
0: Yeah. Ian Gary. And he's had quite the, uh, last few weeks as well with a lot of stuff coming out about his wife and him and the way he's acted and, uh, uh, Sean Strickland. Yeah, Yeah. no, there's a lot that's been going on. I'm I'm curious to see it, but I look at the, uh, like you brought up the prelims, Uh, like Two people on the prelims already—it's just ridiculous. But uh, the last prelim fight is Josh Emmett versus uh, Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, uh, love Bryce Mitchell. He fought on—you uh, know—Dan uh, Ige not long ago too. So, and Josh Emmett's coming off back-to-back losses. But uh, uh, you know, that's one where it's—you know—ten uh, versus six. So yeah, if, and there's some uh, names there, right? Yeah. Like that—that that on any other card maybe could have been on the
1: pay-per-view portion of it
0: yeah i've always uh, i've always been a big fan of uh no love cody garbrandt yeah. and uh he's fighting on the prelims as well against brian keller so that's a big one but even what, just- do, you, what do you
1: make of him right now because garbrandt for a while was a guy who kind of looked like he was on the come right and and maybe was going to be that next big star but he struggled a little bit lately and and now you've got him down on on the prelims
0: where do you think he's at right now yeah, I think he's in a spot where he's trying to figure out what he wants to do, and I don't know where he is exactly in terms of fighting. I feel like he's kind of floating right now, um, and he's kind of – he's went between weight classes. He's yeah, still he's got to has- stop screwing around down at the, the lower – like I think this is going to be better for him. Yeah, bantamweight bout. Yeah. Uh, this is a one that I feel like for him, it kind of gets him back on track. And if he can get a win, uh, you know, he still has that crazy power. We can still see where he can knock anybody out at anybody any time. Mm-hmm. So I just want to see him kind of focus on what he wants to do and, and just kind of get back into the octagon and, and do something like that. Um, but to see that on a prelim, like that's such a good fight. Like yeah. this guy, like championship material. Uh, like even just Irene Aldana versus Carol Rosa. Like that's another one fought ban- w- women's weight, but. Uh, you know, Irene Aldana, the fifth ranked <laughs> Bantamweight, like this is huge on the prelims. Just like, fought
1: yeah. Nunez for, for the, uh, the title in, in Nunez's retirement fight. I should tell you here. Yeah. And then I sh- well, I went the other day to that, uh, Shrides and Vanessa had that women's sports trivia night. Okay. And, uh, so I show up and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the people on my team that, uh, that have invited me. And th- there's a couple people kind of, you know, if, if they go to basketball or soccer, I've got it covered, right? There's one person. The other one was like, well, tennis and golf, I can carry us, right? I know a little bit of the stuff here. And I'm not an expert in women's sports, but I did say, hey, if they happen to sprinkle in a UFC or MMA question or two, I can, I'm probably going to be okay. Well, sure enough, they did. And the question was simply, uh, Amanda Nunez just retired after winning back her title. Who did she fight? And I just totally blanked. I did not have it. After all this big talk, puffing out my chest, the UFC questions, I got it, I got it. You were really hoping for those Ronda Rousey questions. I guess so, man. (laughs) And just, yeah, if it had been something about Nunez, I probably would have been okay. You know how I feel about Shevchenko, big fan of hers. Uh, Thug Rose, I had done a little research on before going over. And all they were looking for was the name of the epo- And I watched the fight, man I sat there and I'm just In Canada too Did not have it Did not have Man, pretty embarrassing after, uh, like I said, puffing my chest out about it
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's tough sometimes <laughs> to go through I'll give you a bit of a benefit of the doubt there, Matty yeah. But uh, I'm sure that uh, you did get ripped on a little well, bit little, uh, bit. little uh, bit. From the crowd there yeah. But no, it's just, it's a really stacked card Even like some of the fights on the on the early prelims Alonzo Menafield versus Dustin Jacoby Like those are two guys that uh, light heavyweight belt But 14 versus 15 Yeah, man, someone's like ending that fight. Like that's, that's going to be a crazy fight to watch. Um, and you know, usually you save it for, you know, the one fighter or something like, do you want me to save it to the end of the one fighter? I'm kind of watching. If you got loaded up there, let's have it. Yeah, it's, it is that, but there's a a heavyweight bout, Martin Boudet versus Shamil Gaziev. Now Gaziev is undefeated. And this is a guy that he he won on uh, Dana White's contender series, but he's just such a, He's a very intense fighter, and I feel like this is a guy that we could see fighting for a title one day. Mm. Uh, I want to see more from him. He hasn't had a lot of experience in the UFC, but he's got some subs. He can knock some people out. He's a big dude. He's mean. I feel like that's—and that's the second fight of the night. Um, so, like, like I said, this fight uh, card is stacked. Andre Feli is fighting as well on the early prelims. Like there is a lot of guys here that like you could see on a main card right. of like a fight night and right. they're on like Casey O'Neil versus Ariane Lipsky, like that there. Like that's a fight that, you know, you'd, you'd see that anywhere. Like it just, it's a lot of fun to see like there's two title fights, but then there's also like, and I haven't even got to, but we have Patty Pimblett. like, yep. you know, Patty, the baddie's back fighting <laughs> Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. Wow, gee. Wow. Well, so that's on the main card. Why don't yeah. we get into that
1: one for a second? Because I know you've been a bit of a, a Pimblett guy for a while, uh, or at least told us several years ago to be on the lookout for this guy. Um, he seems to have lost some of his popularity. Not his charisma, not his noteworthiness, but I'm I'm getting the sense that people aren't loving him as much as they once did. Uh, and this is one of those fights that, to me, and, and this is why you're here, man, to correct me if you have a better take on this, but this fight looks, to me, like a classic thing that promoters do all the time, fight promoters. Okay, Tony Ferguson, has got a big name, he's been a legend, he's been around, but he's in his 40s now, he's mm-hmm. on his way down. And... We're going to put him against Patty Pimblett, who's one of our guys that we're hoping to build around long term. He's young, uh, has a big personality. We're hoping he's going to be a star for a long time, and he's on the way up, and we can sort of match those two guys up, and hopefully, in the mind of the UFC, Patty smashes Ferguson and basically finishes off Ferguson's career and uses that to propel himself further. It's the classic old guy on his way down being matched up against the hot young star on the way up and see if you can build that name even further, by beating another big name. And uh, do you have a different take on that? Or is that how this has been set up?
0: No, I, I see it the way you do. Like Tony Ferguson hasn't won a, a fight in so long. Yeah. Like this is a guy that has literally just, he keeps racking up L. So for Ferguson, like he lost to Bobby green in July. Yeah. Uh, but then like lost to Diaz, lost to uh, Michael Chandler, lost to Benel Darouche, lost to Charles Oliveira, lost to Justin Gaethje, beat Cowboy Ferguson. That was 2019. It's a guy that just keeps taking up L's and, you know, I, I And some of those names that he's lost to are legit, but he's lost all of them, and, they, and some of them have been scary to watch. It's, like, it has been, yeah. especially the last few, watching him kind of struggle, and, yeah. and just, he hasn't been himself, and he's kind of a legendary kind of guy, yeah. where he was so exciting to watch when he was in his prime, and I think back to so many of his crazy fights, but just, he he's a guy that, you know, you kind of wish he'd retire, yeah. because he's been getting beat up, and it hasn't been good, and for Paddy Pimblett, I think he's in a spot where everybody knows he lost to Jared Gordon, and it's a tough spot to come bounce back from. Like he got the win on the judge's scorecard, yeah. but you lost. Yeah. Like everybody that watched that fight yes. knows you got beat up in that fight. So I feel like that kind of takes some of the shine off of you. And it kind of has for this fight. Right. And for me, I'm interested to see what happens. It's kind of a, a no win fight for Patty because you beat Tony Ferguson. It's like, Everybody beats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He this has been won since 2019. That like it's been a while. Yeah. So I look at that sense, and then I also look at the fact that okay, so if you lose, all right, you're like you lost to Jared Gordon basically, but the judges gave you a win when you shouldn't have deserve. You didn't deserve one. Yeah. And then now you just lost to Tony Ferguson, who can't beat anybody since 2019 and just looks pathetic sometimes. And it's sad. And so for for Patty, if you win, it's just like okay, cool. Where do I go from here? It's kind of an interesting spot for him to be in. I don't love the matchup just in terms of I feel like you should have gave him a much more intense opponent to really see who he is. But I feel like this is kind of a, a throw up, uh, you know, a throw fight to kind of get the excitement back. If he has a crazy knockout of Tony Ferguson, yeah. in the first round or the second round or a crazy finish and it gets wild. Well, then it kind of builds that hype of Patty's back and it's like, well, kind of not really, but it's in that weird spot. Yeah. I don't love it. It looks like it's going to be the second fight of the night uh, after Ian Gary takes on Vincent Luque. So I, I, I don't know. I don't love it. And for Tony, I just don't want him to get embarrassed. Like I, like I, I mean, there's never the biggest. I think
1: you and I talked after that Bobby Green fight and said it's time, man, it's time yeah. to retire. Like you got to stop doing this because because it's, it's not fun to watch. Like it's if you're a fight fan, it's fun to watch somebody get beat up. But someone who's in there and feels competitive and like is in their prime and had the chance to, to get out of it, Tony Ferguson just looks like a guy who does not belong in there anymore, and gets to keep going out there because the UFC respects him for his his you know, the length of his career
0: and everything he's done over the years. But it's time to tell that guy, you got to stop. Like, yeah. And I feel like, you know, this is more of a respect fight for Dana White too. It's like if he beats Patty Pemblitt and he gets the, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset, like I, I kind of just hope no matter what for Tony, he leaves his gloves in the ring yeah, or in the octagon and just kind of is able to walk away from that, uh, from this fight, win or lose. Because right. I just, I, even if he does win, where do you go from here? You beat Patty Pimblett, like uh, that's, you know, one of the most hyped, kind of young up and coming yep. stars in the UFC. You, you know, I like you said, it's kind of dampered a little bit since he lost to Jared one against Jared <laughs> Gordon, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I feel like for him, if this is a, you know what, you beat this guy and you kind of put him in his place, that's a good spot for Tony Ferguson to be in, but it's a great way to kind of retire. Yes. You know, the UFC's kind of, you know, start like there's a lot of those guys on the, on this card with between him and Ian Gary, but I feel like that's something where for Tony just ride right off into the sunset. And if you lose, just do it anyways. Like it's. It's best that way. I feel like that. So you mentioned uh,
1: the, the fight that's going to kick off the pay-per-view card appears to be Ian Gary versus uh, Vincent Luque. Uh, what do you make of that one?
0: Yeah, uh, a lot going on right now with Ian uh, Machado Gary. Um, you know, his wife, I, I, people are bringing up stuff about his wife, writing a book about how to date young, uh, successful uh, athletes. Um, and people have been bringing that up, especially Sean Strickland. I think, uh, Chris Curtis as well brought it up and, uh, people have been kind of chirping him and, and ask, talking about his wife. I think that him and, uh, Sean Strickland, both Ian, Mc- uh, Ian Gary and whatever, but there's a lot of rumors that, you know, Ian Gary lives in the house with his wife who is 40 years old and he's much younger. Uh, also he, he hired her, uh, ex-husband to be his nutritionist and he's made a, oh. a yeah, they all live in the same house. So <laughs> there's a lot of these rumors and, and things going on around right now and Sean Strickland kind of made a video and called Ian Gary out said I met you before like you know I I thought you were a good guy and then he showed the messages of Ian Gary kind of DMing him saying dude I'm gonna send you a lawsuit if you kind of do this and Sean Strickland being Sean Strickland just said like look man like I would have respected you if you said I'm gonna go pick up a nine mil and we're gonna handle this like men (laughs) but uh, the fact that you're gonna throw a lawsuit at me he's like join the club everybody wants to throw a lawsuit at (laughs) me which kind of made me laugh a little bit because Sean Strickland's just a crazy asshole yeah yeah. uh for Ian Gary I want to see how you kind of approach this fight now because you've had all that hype and that excitement and you know there was a you know apparently he got kicked out of the gym he was training at which was with Leon Edwards and because he was kind of being a a bit of an asshole himself Ian Gary so um, there's a weird kind of vibe around him right now um, and he was coming off of a big win where uh, I thought that he's a guy that he maybe pushed it a little bit too far on his hate and how he was doing things but when he he fought Neil Magny and he's flipping him off after and he he just absolutely beat the crap out of him which was Good for him. It was a great fight for him, but it was the extra stuff where – I believe he was supposed he was supposed to fight somebody else, and he wore the mugshot of them on it as a T-shirt. And then that fight didn't go through, and he fought Neil Magny. I can't remember the name right now; it's it's slipping my mind. But right. uh, he's been through a lot, and I'm kind of just curious to see now he's in there. Vincent Luque is is a very tough opponent, right? This is a ten versus nine welterweight bout. Yep. So this is big for Ian Gary. If he gets this win, it's going to help him out quite a bit. But uh, you know, for Vincent Luque, like this is a guy that you know you got to take advantage of every all the distractions, everything that's going on with Ian Gary, right? There's a lot of hype around. him. Percent that guy's clearly not focused the way he should be. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to see how he approaches this fight, uh, Ian Gary. If, if he's off a bit, is this going to be the distraction week? Right. The last this has been going on for like two or three weeks now. All this stuff with yeah, yeah. with him. But uh, you know, for Vincent Luque, he's coming off of a decision win against uh, RDA. So uh, you know, Dos Anja, or You know. Dos isn't the kind of guy he used to be, but uh, still a very impressive fighter. And so this is going to be a great way to kick off the first uh, first fight of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still taking Ian Gary in this because he's just such a well-rounded fighter, and he really likes beating people up. And I'm going <laughs> to hope that he uses all this anger and this distraction, and he kind of just beats up Vincent Luque here. So I'm going to take that, him in that win, and I'm taking uh, Patty Pimblett as well um, against Tony I'm Ferguson. Kidding. Do you have uh, – a do you are you excited for that fight? Do you have a feel? Or are you going to go with uh, our man Ian Machado Gary? I think I'm going with
1: with Ian Gary, but I am worried, uh, like you said, about what his focus might be like right now with the mm-hmm. distractions that have been around him. what's what's his mindset been like. I, I think he's the smarter play here, but I don't know. You could kind of you could kind of see this being one of those ones where he maybe comes out and gets embarrassed early because he wasn't quite didn't have his head where he was supposed to. Right. So we'll we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Uh, I believe you have the card open there in front of you. I'm missing one here. The third fight from
0: uh, from the top here. Yeah, another yeah. welterweight bout. That's uh, a very interesting, well, Shavkat-Rachmanov right. versus Wonderboy, five versus six bout. Now, Ian Gary called out Wonderboy, and I believe Wonderboy had another fight as well, and it kind of got moved around. Uh, Rachmanov did, I think it was. It well, was and- one in July. Did he not pass on fighting? Uh, uh, he was supposed to fight Hazmat, or Hamzat. And passed on it, I think. It was, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, okay. but he, he was supposed to fight somebody else. And again, Steph, uh, Stephen Thompson kind of jumped in. A lot, a lot of fighters want to fight this Rockmanov. He's kind of slowly uh, crept up the welterweight rankings. Like yeah. I said, now he's just sitting at number five uh, and Stephen Thompson, he's sitting at six. So it's a big fight for him. If he can get the win, I people are talking about how he deserves the next kind of welterweight title shot. I'm not sure he does. I still think he needs to beat somebody in that top three to kind of earn that spot. But I do like that this uh, is going to be a very intense fight to watch. Uh Wonderboy Thompson, I'm not kind of not quite to the same level, but getting towards the Tony Ferguson air like I
1: believe he's forty one yeah. as well. Getting up there a little bit, this guy's facing a young, hungry fighter, I I don't know. This one would scare me a little if I was Wonder Boy.
0: Yeah, he's coming off a big win against Kevin Holland. Yeah. You know, and that's that, that was about a year ago. So it, it, I'm kind of curious to see how he handles this fight as well. You know, he's he lost a little couple of fights. You know, he fought Doreno Burns. Uh, he lost uh, the, that one. Uh, he lost to Bilal Muhammad. And yeah. then he beat Kevin Holland. So he's kind of in a spot where this is a big fight for him, where, like you said, where are you really at? Are you a top contender or what? He's kind of a gatekeeper right now. Like I said, yes. sitting at that number six spot. Um, does he kind of, you know, falter back a little bit? Uh, I'm, I'm, I am I kind of would have liked uh, to see Ian Gary fight him more. I think Rachmaninoff kind of deserves a more of a, a, a title shot against somebody maybe a bit better hmm. right now. And when I, I kind of got to look up the welterweight standings to, in order to do that, kind of the rankings. But right. um, I do I do want to see him kind of take on more guys. But this Rachmaninoff guy is very impressive with his, he's a well-rounded fighter, but he's so good both on the ground but also striking-wise. So I want to really to see him kind of get it together and see how this works out, but uh very interesting third fight right before we get to it.
1: I think uh, you you could get me pretty easily here to put my money on Rachmanov. I think, I think this is as you've sort of pointed out, that guy's approaching, ready for a title fight, and they weren't able to do that because they already had the welterweight title fight set here. So here's something to keep you busy. It's a name. You'll be on the main card, and. You know, I don't want to suggest that Wonder Boy Thompson is at the same level as Tony Ferguson in terms of his, the, the fall off in his abilities and, and things like yeah. that, but he is getting up there, right? He's a name now. Uh, he's, he's more of a name than a top contender. I, I can't imagine at 41 years old uh, that, you know, the, his best days are ahead of him. So yeah. I think this is a. Uh, this is one you'd easily get me to put my money on on Rock Bonov.
0: Yeah, and so like he he's coming into a fight here. Like again, Stephen Thompson's kind of following down down a bit, but yep. Sean Brady had a big win over the weekend, so he's sitting at seven, right behind Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Jeff Neal was, the, I believe, the fight that hmm. Ian Gary was supposed to have that he wore the mugshot for. Right. I'm, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure here now, but um, I look at if if Rock wants a title shot, I still think he needs to get by Wonderboy Thompson. But uh, I want to see him fight one of these top four guys of Kamara Usman, Bilal Muhammad. Colby Covington or Gilbert Burns, yeah. In order to get that title shot, I mean, Colby Covington, I'm not sure about yet, but uh, I, I want to see him fight a durino Burns or a Bilal Muhammad before he gets that title shot. Yeah, Bilal's
1: right in the mix too, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. I look at it, and I've seen um a lot from Rockmanov, but I look at a couple of his wins that he's had, and I'm not sure if it's ready for. You know, he he did beat uh, Jeff Neal. Um, and Neil Magny as well, like you know, yeah. I feel like uh, Neil Magny. That was the guy, Neil Magny. Okay. Um But uh, Neil Magny and uh, Jeff Neal, these two guys here, the last two fights he's had, I'm not sure that's warranted for a, uh, a title shot yet, but there's a lot of hype around this guy. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if Dana kind of throws him in that, if he beats Stephen Thompson, yep. I'm going to take mono because I think he's, he's just such a solid, well-rounded fighter. Um, so I'm excited for that one because it just, it kicks off before the two title fights. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I wanted to see him, you know, fight a guy of this, like I said, number six, like Stephen Thompson, he can get it together and he can probably string together some, you know, some Impressive rounds here. And if you could pull the uh, upset, that will be good for him. For sure. Um,
1: The co-main event here uh, is Pantoja making his first title fight uh, against Brandon Royval. And that one is an interesting matchup to me because I I think, as you've suggested, there were some questions about the legitimacy of Pantoja's title win over Moreno. But here we are. This is going to be his first title defense. And Royval is, you know, I... I think he's smartened up a little bit lately. Like for a while, he was kind of known as just coming out and being absolutely wild, right? And and he would just overwhelm you early. And I think he's a little smarter than that now. And I think there's a chance that if he shows just a little bit of restraint, I think this might be a short title reign. I think he's perfectly capable of taking the belt here. If he just shows a tiny little bit of restraint early, you don't totally change your style. You still want to have that hot start. You still want to make some, uh, land some shots early. But maybe a little less recklessly than he's done it in the past, and he has shown in his last couple of fights that he's able to do that. What do you make of the uh, the co main here?
0: Yeah, again, not uh, in total, not totally in love with it. Um, it's tough because the flyweight division is in such a weird spot right now. But for Pantoja, like these two fought a couple years ago and Pantoja won. Mm-hmm. He beat him by submission, so it was kind of a all right. Let's see how it goes. But when I look at the flyweight division and how things have went, it's kind of tough because we just saw four fights of Moreno versus Figueredo, yes. right for the belt, and yep. now Figueredo just moved up and he had a very good uh, debut. Um, and now we look, in, sorry, in the bantamweight division. But mm-hmm. uh, I look at you know who are the real guys kind of sticking out right now in the flyweight division. It's, you know, Brandon Moreno's number one. So do you really want to go back to a re uh, like a, kind of a, uh,
1: yeah, uh, an immediate
0: rematch. Yeah. Or, the rematch. And it's like, ah, I don't, I don't love that either. Amir Albazi is right there. Roy Val is right there. Kai France Well, uh, you know, when, uh, Moreno needed a fight before he fought Figueredo, I believe the third time he needed to go fight somebody. He went and fought Kai France yep. and he beat him as well. Uh there's just not a lot of guys like Alex Perez has kind of fallen down quite a bit. Uh, Mohamed Mokaev, like he's slowly making his way up there. Uh, but again, he's kind of far away from, uh, you know, a title shot. So I look at it, it's like, all right, this kind of seems like a forced title fight. And I don't, again, like I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Uh, I'm, I'm still on the, I think Moreno what should be the title. I think he, uh, beat Pantoja. I do really think that when I watched the fight back, right. I thought that, uh, that was there. So for Royval, I, I'm curious to see if, like you said, he's wild and he comes out crazy because that's the way he is and he's used to, or do you go back to the way you're supposed to fight in, in these title fights and you fight smart, right? This is a five round fight for Royval. Yep. It's a big fight and obviously for the title, I think Pantoja wins this one because I just think that he's a better fighter he's already got the win on on Royval and I'm just not sure he's going to be able to kind of hold it back I think he's going to get into a third round and if he does get there um, the third or fourth round he's going to start trying to swing for the fences and just got himself caught in a bad position so I just have a hard time putting my trust and faith into Royval but so I'm going to go with uh, Alex Pantoja okay I'll take Royval on this one and and we'll see what happens okay Uh, and into
1: the main event here it's Leon Edwards uh welterweight title defense and he's coming off two victories over Kamaru Usman I think when we talked after the first one there was some thought that maybe it was a bit of a fluke a spectacular fluke but a fluke right Usman had owned that division for a long time was on his way to winning that fight uh had it gone to the judges cards and then in the fifth round, we get this spectacular head kick that knocks Usman out completely. They have a rematch over in England, and that one was far more controlled by Leon Edwards. He looked like he belonged. There was nothing fluky about it. He took out Kamaru Usman, who frankly hasn't been the same quite since. And now we're back where he's moving on. He's going to fight somebody else. It's Colby Covington, who I think hasn't fought since spring 2022. It's It's been a while since we've seen Colby
0: Covington. Yep, March 5th, that's technically winter 2022. Yeah, there you go. So Jorge Masvidal. Yes. Um, And so I'm not
1: quite sure how we landed on him as the number one contender here, other than that he is a name.
0: Uh, At first blush, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I've won all over the map. At first, I didn't think that Colby Covington deserved this title fight, uh, mainly because of Bilal Muhammad. right? He's been on quite a tear, and I think that he deserves kind of that shot.
1: Now, they did just announce this week that Bilal Muhammad will be the the backup fighter should somebody miss weight. He's yeah. getting that shot. So for whatever that's worth to you, but you're right, he's in that mix.
0: I feel like he deserved that title shot over Col- uh, Colby Covington. Now I know a lot of the reason why Colby Covington didn't fight is because he had some uh, right after that fight against Jorge Masvidal. Jorge As- uh, Masvidal waited for him outside a restaurant yeah. and he sucker punched him and broke his jaw. And there was a lot kind of a lawsuit and some legal stuff happening there. So it kind of was uh, not a good look for the UFC to have that happen outside of the octagon after no. their fight because. I do believe Masvidal talked a lot of shit and Coving- Covington, as he always does, talks a lot of shit, uh, but he might have brought in his wife or girlfriend and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, uh, And then when they got into the octagon, it was all Covington. He absolutely beat the crap out of Mosvedel. Moswell had nothing left in the tank. He ended up retiring not long after that fight. Yeah. But uh, Masvidal is a guy where I'm like, alright, that wasn't a great fight for him to kind of be like, alright, uh, I deserve a title shot. He's sitting in number three as the uh, as the welterweight title guy right now. But Leon Edwards is in a spot where he needed to fight somebody. He beat Kamara Usman. Like you said, I think Bolo Muhammad should have had that. Mm -hmm. But Covington, I like this matchup. I think he wins. Really? I do. I think that he's had a long time off. This is his kind of Super Bowl. Like right before Christmas, it's December. You ra- you finished off the year. Big pay-per-view event. Leon Edwards is kind of very calm and ill-man. Like I've already heard Leon Edwards. Uh, he's He's been out talking. He's compared Colby Covington to Steve Stifler of American Pie, <laughs> where he just loves to talk shit and he's just weird and he just loves to chirp and do that kind of stuff. I thought yeah. it was kind of funny. But yeah. uh, I do think that uh, Leon Edwards is a, a, is a good fighter and I, I just I have a strange feeling about an upset and I'm feeling Colby Covington, as much as everybody hates Colby Covington yeah. and the way he talks and the way he does things, like the guy is meant for the WWE, right? I, I can't remember who's the guy in, um, AEW that has that big mouth too, that loves to talk and, uh, I remember, MJF. Yes. Yeah. I, I liken this guy to a guy like him where he talks a lot, but he realizes what he does. Um, and he does it all for show. He's got the Donald Trump support. He's got Donald Trump calling him out. Like yes. it's all so goofy and silly and so stupid, but, and, and you can hate him for all that. When he gets in the octagon, he's a tough motherfucker yep. and he fights. Often comes and, out to that Kurt Angle music. Yeah. To the- yeah. And, and, and I, I just, you know, I, I'll respect anyone that's as tough as him as just a fighter, even though you're going to be as wacky and stupid, whatever, like I'll put all that, you know, kind of BS aside when you're in the octagon and you could be as a tough guy like he was like both of those fights against, uh, um, Kamaru Usman. Yeah. You know, he was tough, man. The guy broke his jaw and he was still trying to fight. Like, yep. uh, like he's just a monster in there. And for Leon Edwards, it's, this is a guy that I know he had a crazy leg kick against Kamara Usman that got that win. Yeah, he and just then, doesn't feel like the unbeatable champ, does he? Like he he doesn't, doesn't. No, and I, and I hate to look down on him like this because I like Leon Edwards. I like the way he composes and how he handles himself. Yeah, he is a kind of a true champion. I like that. He's kind of in that Volkanovski, that GSP, kind right. of the the humble. The, I'm not going to talk shit. I'm not going to do weird things. I'm just going to train. I'm going to work hard, show up and, and I'm going to show up and fight. Now, people are chirping. especially me on Colby Covington. Leon Edwards kind of did the same thing, right? He kind of had a fight. Then he didn't fight for about a year and a half or whatever it was. And then he got a title shot. And it's like, then he wins the belt. And it's like, oh, okay, interesting. So now he's this champ. I am going to lean to the side of, I think that Kobe Covington is kind of, you know, he's rested up a bit, but he's got that energy. He's got that fight. Uh, I don't know. There's just, I feel like this smells upset. So I'm taking uh, Colby Covington to get this win. Yeah. And, and it'll feel silly to say this because of
1: the, the, the way Leon won the title when it all looked like it was over and then he lands the head kick yeah. in the fifth round. But yeah. Colby Covington has an engine like very few other guys, it's cardio. he just Ridiculous. keeps coming at you. And so, so, right, man. so the deeper into that fight you go, you got to, you know, you, you, you sort of think if Leon's going to do this, it might have to be with a knockout or something in the first round or two. And if it starts to go deeper than that and deeper than that, then Colby Covington, in my opinion, has the advantage because of that cardio, because of that stamina, and he just stays on top of you. Now, like I said, I understand that's the way the Leon Edwards-Kamaru uh, Usman fight looked and, and Edwards pulled it out of the fire, but that's the part where you go, that might have been a little fluky, and not that he didn't deserve it. He stayed in there mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but do you get two home run shots like that in one calendar year, or I mm-hmm. guess it's a little more than that? Like It just feels like if this goes any kind of distance with Colby Covington on top of you and just mauling you over and over. I, I That, to me, I could see as being Covington's path to victory here is just that that engine that keeps running uh, deep into the fight, and I'm not sure Leon Edwards can match him there.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that and, and just... I want to see the toughness, right? Like the the Colby Covington is a, is a brawler, right? Mm-hmm. He's tough, but he's a great wrestler and he wants to just beat you up too. Like yep. that's his opponent. Yep. And whereas I look at Leon Edwards as a more strategic fighter, right? 100%. You, you see that. But what I, I liked about him, he had a big knock, uh, like as much as he, you know, in the win he had against uh, Usman is he beat him up in that first round. Yeah, You know what? He hit him with some clean shots. He took him down and he kind of gave him a bit of ground and pound. Now Usman basically wiped the floor with him up until the leg. Yeah, kick two, and knocked out, but he had that one powerful. round where, yeah, he shows he can be a kind of a, a like a badass fighter. Now he he, I don't want to say he fought safe in that rematch against Usman, but it was a very. Uh, you know, Usman didn't seem to really get up for it. No. You know, he, he looked like a different fighter since he had that ugly knockout. And that, like I said, we, that we, I don't know how many times we've been on this, I've uh, been on this podcast. You always want to see how fighters uh, come back yeah. after a knockout like that. And it's, it's hard. It's very difficult because you second guess yourself, you second guess your distance. You don't want to get caught in certain spots. You don't want to, you know, overthrow. There's so many things that turn into it and it's in your head, right? It's yeah. like an injury, right? Running backs or anybody like in football, whatever happens in these. Well, we ball. saw,
1: the, you know, for hockey fans listening to the pod, how long did it take Josh Norris to, yeah, he wasn't knocked out, but that shoulder, you're, you're hesitant, right? You're tentative. And as much as it being physical, it's mental. Do I, am I prepared to engage here and, and do what I have to do yeah. uh, that I used to do? And it's running that, backs that, with knee injuries. Yeah, it's all the that same That volume stuff. gets turned up when it's yeah. fighters that get knocked out cold in front of the world watching. How do you get yourself back to a place where you're prepared to go and risk having happen again.
0: Especially so, when you're a little bit older, right? Yeah. Uh, Usman, you know, later 30s, right? It's, yeah. it's something like that. So for Leon Edwards, um, you know, he's in the spot where, you know, you had that big win and you kind of, you you followed it up, which was credit to him. Like he followed up that win by beating up Usman in, in a very more strategic, but mm-hmm. very, I, I'll call it more of a dull it was. kind of fight. It was. Um, now this is going to be one where, I believe that Colby Covington is going to be pushing the pace and Leon Edwards is going to have to be very smart here. But I'm, like I said, I'm going to take Colby Covington, not because I like him, but because I think that he can kind of sneak in here and get this title fight and and kind of get things done because he's just, he's, uh, he hasn't fought in a a year and a bit. I'm curious to see if he's got some, uh, octagon rust on him because he hasn't fought in a while, but this guy just, every time he's in the octagon, he puts on a show, whether it's just like, you know, how tough he is or how much he wants to fight when he's on the mic after and he says, stupid. stupid <laughs> shit. Um, whatever. If Donald Trump calls him, who knows? I'm just, I'm curious to see if, you know, I guarantee he's going to reference Trump if he wins in the post fight uh, for 100%. sure. Yeah. Uh, and I do know that, uh, Rogan, uh, DC and Anik are the guys calling the fights this okay. weekend. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a very, well, Trump showed up at a bunch of them
1: recently. So he might be right there in person anyway. I don't even remember where this card is. Uh, are they back in Vegas?
0: Uh, um I'd have to double check I can't
1: recall anyway not that it matters but Trump has made a habit of showing up to a lot of these and being a special guest to Dana White. so yeah we could see uh we could see that right there with his boy uh I just want to
0: double check because I want to make sure I say yeah it's a T-mobile Arena in Nevada so yeah. it is in Vegas we're all set it's a <laughs> Vegas crowd. I wouldn't be surprised to see if uh, Donnie's there supporting yeah. him and and whatever. But uh, I hope it not because we don't need to see that guy on the screen any more than he already was right. when he had his gr- grand dramatic e- entrance <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks back with Dana White and Kid Rock and T- then uh, Tucker Carlson. What a gong! Tu- and feel. Tucker Carlson and then oh man, whose wife was it that was there that flipped him off? Oh yeah, I can't even remember now. But oh, uh, Bill Burr's wife, Bill Burr's wife flipped yeah. him off as they were <laughs> sitting down. It's just like yeah, that was it. Uh, I don't need to see all that extra stuff. Like I said, I don't like Colby Covington, but the guy is a tough fighter, he's a good fighter, yeah. and I'm I think he can pull off the upset against Leon Edwards this weekend. So before we wrap up
1: anything else on this card that's uh that we may have missed, it's it, to me man, it's it's deep, right? And it, this is one that looks like from top to bottom, even well well down into the prelims. You're going to see some solid action here. So I'm looking forward to it. Um Yeah. It's one worth checking out.
0: Again, I I just, I I know not a lot of people are going to be watching the early prelims, but I really want to see the Shamil Ghazia fighter, like the heavyweight fighter. Like he's fighting an already, like it's his first fight. He won Dana White Contender Series. He's fighting a 15th rank heavyweight. Like Martin Boudet is is a guy that's, you know, a decent fighter, but I look at this as, all right, you don't normally step into the octagon for your first fight against a ranked opponent. Right. Like this almost puts him into a ranked spot right away. So I want to see him, you know, If he could, one win this big fight, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Good for him. But I just love watching these guys that I think, you know, in a year or two from now, they could be fighting for a title. And I think that this guy can, especially with the way that the heavyweight division is starting to kind of, it's slowly heating up a little bit. There's some fighters that are slowly making their way up there. Um, I'm excited for a lot of these fights in 2024. Um, I do, I was reading the other day, it's not part of this card, but we usually do talk about it, but it sounds like, you know, and we've been talking about him forever, but uh, Conor McGregor is not going to be able to fight at UFC 300 in April. <laughs> it looks like uh, I think his, his one of his trainers was on and it sounds like there's going to be another delay pushing him back hopefully they say to international fight week, which is in July. Oh so God. that's a maybe, but I just look at this as like everyone was talking about, oh, whatever. I think he wanted to be on this card. I think, uh, Sean O'Malley wanted to be on this card as well. They wanted to ho- kind of host this big last card of the year. Yeah. And then Dana White gave, uh, O'Malley his own card and he wanted to see if he can, you know, what his numbers would be like in that situation. Yeah. That's two ninety nine, I believe. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's coming up in, I think February. Yeah. Um, January is the one in Canada that I believe is going to be a lot of fun because it's coming back to Toronto yep, and a big card there as well. But I look at, uh, I look at this as Conor McGregor is once again, like, I don't believe he's going to get back into the octagon until he's literally back in the octagon. And the fact (laughs) that it took him this long to get into USADA now, I I believe the drug testing is going to change as of January 1st. yep. Um, So this is one of the last cards that they have to deal with USADA and then they have their own drug testing pool with this FBI guy that they brought in who was part of the Saddam Hussein, uh, uh, I guess, uh, like situation that that Was so, yeah. I'm curious to see how all that goes down now, but uh, it's just unfortunate when you see a guy like Michael Chandler who's been waiting for like a year and a bit to have this fight against Conor McGregor because he knows it's a big payday money. But yeah. it's also just like, are you ever going to fight again? Like kind of shit or get off the pot here. Yeah. And it's been like, you, dude, you were going to fight in December and now you were going to fight in April. And now you might not even fight in April. You're probably going to be fighting in July. Are you even going to fight this year? I think we see him one more time. I do think he fights Chandler. I don't know if it's going to be this year or not. I just, I don't know what's going on with this guy. I feel like we there's a lot, obviously that's set being that's happening behind yeah. the scenes here. He knows how to keep his name in the mix without ever actually having to do anything. Oh, he yeah. just loves to, yeah. He yeah. loves to chirp Volkanovsky every time he fights and, uh, you know, all these other champs and talk about how good and tough he is. And it's like, dude, get the fuck in the ring and show it then. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of sick and tired of him just talking all the time and, you know, being this Twitter guy that thinks he's still a champ. It's like, you're not a champ anymore, dude. <laughs> and yeah. you're not very good anymore. You haven't been in the octagon <laughs> in quite some time. And off all you're doing, you're kind of shitting on your own legacy by acting the way you are lately. I believe that money's completely changed him. I want to see him back in the octagon because It's good for the UFC, but I don't think I, I, I'm, he's just a guy, he belongs in the octagon, but I just don't think he, he has that desire. He once did. I think that hundred million dollar payout has really changed him when he fought, uh, Floyd, Floyd. And I think that's just, it's kind of just changed him now and it's completely different. He's, you know, this whole broken leg against Dustin Poirier. I think he realizes he's not the fighter he once was. So I think he just keeps pushing it back. His trainer even said, I don't even know why the delay for this one. So what's the guy doing? Yeah. Well,
1: it's a, you know, it's irritating when he's the biggest name in the sport and he's not technically in the sport. Like that is the name that gets everybody's attention. And so they keep floating it out there. Like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So far, there's no indication it's coming. So we'll, we'll see, like you, uh, we'll, we'll believe it when we see him actually step into the octagon. Yeah.
0: There's something across my timeline earlier this morning that I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Like just get it together, get the hell back in the <laughs> octagon. Like I'm, I was kind of doing a little bit of prep for the show. Cause I like to, you know, be a little bit prepared yeah. for when I, I talk some fights with you, but to see that Conor McGregor's in the headlines and it's, you know, his trainer talking about how once again, his, his, I guess, return to the octagon is pushed back again. It's like, dude, when are you ever going to fight? Like 2029? Yep. Like, right. let's go. Get in the octagon or just stop talking. <laughs>
1: uh, it's almost time for us to stop talking. We'll get ready to wrap up the show, man. I appreciate it as always, you uh, you coming in. I should say, I was glad you were able to get in here once more before the uh, the holiday season. Uh, you stepped up big time for us a couple times this year, and I've, I've mentioned it before, but especially over the summer when I'm looking to drag out an extra few days at the cottage and And the pod has to get done. And instead of coming back here and having to get something done in studio, I know I can tap you on the shoulder and ask if you can dial in remotely and, uh, and support me a little bit so I can stay up there and, and not have to race back. So for everything you did for the show this year, man, I honestly appreciate it. and glad you're able to get
0: in here once more before the holidays. I appreciate you having me on. And when you're at the cottage, I would feel like the biggest jackass I've ever said, you're not allowed to enjoy the cottage, man. You have to come back and do your podcast in person and feed me beers. Like that's just not fair to you, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a cottage advocate. So if you, want to, if you want to be at the cottage and do some of these on the remote, I'll always have your back and I appreciate you always making time to have me on because we have some crazy pods that we always do yeah. that they're not always in the late nights or the <laughs> evenings, whether it be early mornings, afternoons, we always make it happen. And I, I appreciate so, you. Hardest yeah.
1: working guy in showbiz. We'll we'll work the schedule
0: around you. Cause I know they keep you busy over there. Oh, right? it's, You know what? Uh, <laughs> I have to tap you on the shoulder for breakfast beers, late night beers, <laughs> afternoon beers. Like we've had enough. So it goes, uh, some credit to you, but it's always fun Have uh, you know, being on the pod. I love talking fights and other stuff, whatever we get into even Christmas stuff. Uh, sure. it was a lot of fun today, man. And, uh, Again, shout out to Whippersnapper for putting together a good Moon Miss pint. I ended up finishing it. Um, It was quite uh, the work to get into it, but I wasn't going to leave a beer behind. I just don't do that. And uh, once I was, uh, I opened the fridge and I said, oh, Moon Miss. And you said, yeah, give it a shot. I said, you know what? I am, Matt. You talked me into it because you're really good at twisting my arm like that. (laughs) But uh, the beer lived up to the hype. The can, not so much, even though it does look really cool. The artwork is good, but uh, great job uh, by Whippersnapper on that one.
1: Yeah, and this is a spearhead. It went down pretty well. Um, this was a nice one, nice surprise in the calendar. Like I said, to get to something a little bit darker, it's not a stoutness, it's a, it's a brown lager, a dark lager, mm-hmm. uh, went down pretty well, uh, nice change of pace after some IPAs and, and loggers and things to start. So, uh, I should let the good listener know that on Friday morning we'll be talking to, well, I guess his name is Andrew Zuber, but everybody on Twitter knows him as the Zoobs. We'll be talking baseball. We'll see, uh, what he made of everything that went on around Shohei Otani, uh, yeah the mess that that turned into and how the Jays are going to pivot off of that and, and where they go from here. So, uh, Yeah, it was a bit. What a a Friday that was, eh, for Jays fans. That was a bit of a shit show. Yeah, tracking flights and uh, rumors all over the place about Yusei Kikuchi booking dinner for fifty people at a sushi
0: restaurant. And I don't know how that all happened. It was just. It seems like the most unorganized leak that happened was that he was on a flight to Toronto, and it's like, okay, cool. And you know, listen, was it Morosi, John Morosi, that had that? I can't remember who was it that refuted it after. Uh, Bob Nightingale, I Bob think, was Knight- the first
1: one who came out and said he's sitting in California. He's not on a flight to Toronto. My no.
0: only problem with, that, uh, with Nightingale: Why the hell did you wait till like right. an hour after his flight landed to then kind of go and crap all over yeah. Morosi like that? Yeah, for Morosi, bad source, bad information. By all means, he Might should have not got have played put that a little out bit, there. Yeah, yeah, but also like if you're uh, O'Tani and you're sitting there and you're watching this all go down and then people are like oh we're just gonna roast this guy it's like you could have like refuted the the whole report right away and for Jays fans all you did was just like and look that gave everybody something to talk about and do all day Friday. Yeah. I was working at CFRA in the newsroom and that's all we were talking and waiting right. about. We're tracking flights. We're waiting for the story. We wanted to write the story about it and put it on the CFRA news that it was going to be the biggest deal in Jay's history. Yep. And then there was, Oh yeah, there is a scheduled press conference for it. It's like, yep. what the hell going on? That's like, no, he's actually in California, but his flight landed like half an hour ago. It's like, where the hell was this like an hour ago? Why wouldn't you say like Why would you get Jays fans' hopes up like that? And then it's
1: good for business for him, right? For Shohei to make, and what was it? Twenty
0: four hours later,
1: make yeah, yeah, make the Dodgers think, <laughs> you know, sweat a little bit. I, Jays I were just used as leverage. It, it, it sort of feels that they way. Feel dirty now, the, yeah, honestly. And and I said that on the pod on Monday with Rob when we talked about this was that when we were just dealing with the rumor of the restaurant and the plane that someone just found out of nowhere. Yeah, it was entirely on us as fans that we had kind of gone crazy here, and that's fine. Once John Morosi comes out and says, yeah, he's on his way to Toronto, it's not on the fans anymore. That's a guy that has a Twitter account, retweeted it, it. the Sportsnet Twitter account
0: retweeted it. It was a big deal. You don't get
1: to turn around and blame the fans when reputable outlets are saying this is happening. So, yeah, it was a bit of a shit show of a day, so... We'll get uh, we'll get the Zoob's take on that and Can't wait and, for that one and how the Jays are going to pivot out of this like and 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 get something done now to get fans excited again because that was a hell of a letdown so that'll be on uh, on Friday. Bunda, my man I th- again, thank you for coming in. Hope you have an awesome uh, holiday season there. My best to you and the family and and thanks for for doing this and everything you did this year, man.
0: Ah, oh, thank you and Merry Christmas to you and your family and uh, again, thank you for always having me on and and I guess working with my. Difficult, uh, fun schedule, uh, Maddie. Appreciate it, as always. <laughs>
1: we'll wrap this up here. Uh, make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio. And uh, and Bunda here is on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Bunda 91 uh, Links will be in the show notes for all of that. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us. With all that out of the way, we'll wrap this up. For Bunda, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you on Friday.
0: We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go if this stillcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow I'd be in heaven still doing this show see you some other time <laughs>